President Trump does have a nuclear button on his desk, but it is just for Steve Bannon. And I have many, many thoughts on this. Many a thought. Plus, Oregonians apparently don't know how to pump gas, which is a weird thing I didn't know. But we'll talk about all of these things. Ah, so many emotions, so many things to talk about. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Steve Bannon's the worst person ever. Okay, let's just start with that. Steve is just a garbage human being. So to watch the President of the United States turn his wrath towards Steve Bannon is very much akin to the scene in the new Star Wars film, spoiler alert, in the throne room with Kylo Ren with a lightsaber. Okay, so it's a lot of things happened yesterday, and many of them are good. I think very good for the administration, actually. The short-term effect is everybody's going to say, oh, it's chaos in the White House. Guess what? Everyone's always saying that crap. But the question is whether it's good for the administration short and long term. And the answer is the disembowelment of Steve Bannon and strewing the, the planes with his intestines was, I think, in the end, a quite good move for the administration. I'll explain why in just a second. We'll go through all the details, all of the gory details, why this has happened, what's going on. No one knows except for me. So we'll talk about it in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at NatureBox. So if you're watching the news and you feel like a snack, as I so often do these days, then NatureBox is the place to go. So NatureBox will bring you all of the most healthy snacks, all of the most tasteful snacks. Everybody in the office loves NatureBox. They have over 100 delicious snacks. All snacks are made with high quality, simple ingredients, no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. It is easy. You just go to naturebox.com. You choose your snacks. NatureBox delivers them right to your door. New snacks are added every single month, inspired by new food trends and professional chefs and and customer feedback. And if you don't like a snack, then NatureBox will just replace it for free, which is awesome. Some of the ones that are popular around the office, the vanilla bean wafers, the coffee kettle popcorn, it's all great stuff. Everyone around here would be getting fat, except for the fact that these snacks are a lot healthier than the alternatives. So that's what NatureBox.com is there for. So check it out, NatureBox.com slash Ben, and you get 50% off your first order when you go to NatureBox.com slash Ben. That is NatureBox.com slash Ben. It's perfect for days like yesterday when you're just sitting there and you need a box of something to just pop in your mouth as you watch Twitter flash by, naturebox.com slash Ben, official sponsor of the news cycle. It's just fantastic. Naturebox.com slash Ben, 50% off your first order. All right, so here we are, gang. Now, you may sense a bit of personal satisfaction from yours truly that Steve Bannon just got cut in half by the President of the United States. You would not be mistaken. Steve Bannon is a bad man. I've been saying for well over a year that Steve Bannon is a bad man. I said in March 2016 that Steve Bannon had betrayed Andrew Breitbart's legacy and that he had sold out Breitbart to become his personal political vehicle. So I was first on this boat. And I don't mean like one of the first. I mean the first. Okay, I was the guy who was saying this for over a year. I said for two years that he was a self-aggrandizing con man who leached himself to more powerful players in order to maintain power. Right? This is stuff that I was saying. Okay, and I was eminently correct, and the president now agrees. So I'm glad that the president of the United States has come to the truest, most proper conclusion he has ever come to in history ever. Okay, he said the truest things that have ever been said about Steve Bannon. So here is the, the lead-up. So the lead-up is that Steve is constantly leaking to the media for his own self-aggrandizement. I've been saying this to members of the media. Look at every interview that I've done over the last year. I've been saying Steve Bannon does not have any actual power. He just had the perception of power. That perception of power was being driven by a rabid media interested in painting President Trump as a Reuben Hick who didn't know what he was doing, and therefore Bannon was the power behind the throne, manipulating things like some great puppeteer. It was all nonsense. And Bannon was never a great puppeteer. Bannon was always a guy who plastered his lips to the ass of the most powerful person that he could find and glued them there like a barnacle until he could ride them to glory. And then when the whale died, then he, like a, like a virus, would find a new host and the parasite would move on. Right? He did this to Sarah Palin. He did this to Andrew Breitbart, who literally died, not because of Bannon, but then he took over, Bannon, he took over Breitbart's shop and turned into Bannon.com to the point where they were selling Bannon fidget spinners like five months ago. Okay, we were trying to get some yesterday here at the office, but unfortunately, they are all out of stock. In any case, uh, Steve Bannon has been doing this as a career move for a very long time, and he had cultivated a lot of people. Like He had cultivated some of the hosts at, at Fox News. He'd become close with people like Sean Hannity. Uh, he, he tried to paint himself as the intellectual veneer of Trumpism, and then he started to buy his own press. And this is always the fatal flaw. In this particular Greek tragedy, Steve Bannon was the guy who was the gimlet-eyed, steely-souled fellow who was going to maneuver his way to the top. It was going to be like how to succeed in business without really trying, except without Robert Morse's charm. And he was going to simply ride that wave all the way to power. The problem is Steve began to believe his own press. He began to believe that he was the philosopher. 
right? He was the brain of the Trump administration. Trump was the balls in the heart, and Steve Bannon was the brain. He was the guy who was really driving all of the activity. And he tried to make the media believe this, right? He, he would go into the White House, and he would have his whiteboard behind him with all of the promises. I'm the guy who sits here for 20 hours a day trying to get things done. Within three months, he'd been marginalized. Like, very quickly, he'd been marginalized. So he put himself basically on the cover of Time magazine, and that was step number one. And Steve started to believe, because he would go to these rallies, and people would cheer for him because they saw him as a proxy for Trump. Instead, he started to believe that people actually cared about Steve Bannon. No one ever cared about Steve Bannon. Right? People cared about Sarah Palin. She built herself a movement. People cared about Andrew Breitbart, who is a legitimately good human being, whose legacy has been betrayed and spit upon by a subversive, disgusting con man. I knew Andrew. I was close to Andrew. I was friends with Andrew for virtually all of my adult life. I mean, literally, I met him when I was 17 years old, and I worked closely with him until his death. Okay, Steve Bannon took his legacy and pissed all over it for Steve Bannon's own personal aggrandizement. Okay, these are people who actually built something. Steve Bannon has never built a damn thing in his entire life. He did not build the Trump campaign. He was not even part of the Trump campaign except for Mercer Money. The reason that Steve Bannon was on the campaign is because the Mercers went to Donald Trump and they said, we want to put money into your campaign. Why don't you take a couple people we're close with, Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway. That's how they both got on the Trump campaign. This is obvious and publicly available information. Okay, Bannon was not the great manipulator. He was not the great genius. He has a good gift for getting in good with people, right? This is what he does. What he does, he goes to more powerful people and he says, I can make you even more powerful. Just follow you, be you. Let Trump be Trump. Let Palin be Palin. Let Breitbart be Breitbart. This was his shtick. But then something happened to Steve. It's a good shtick. It's a good shtick as far as it goes. But then I think something happened to Steve. And what happened to Steve is Steve began to buy his own press. Never buy your own press, particularly when the press is being created by the leaks that you are supplying to the press. So Steve began with this wishful thinking that he was this very powerful player. He would go to the press, he would leak all this information to the press, making him seem like a powerful player, and then he'd start to believe what he read in the press that he had leaked to the press, that he was a very powerful player. And this made him think, I am the new face of Trumpism, right? I'm not, the, the, there is Trump and then there's Trumpism. Trumpism is nationalist populism. It's this grand philosophy of a government that is going to stand up for blue-collar working Americans through tariffs and infrastructure plans and higher taxes on the rich. It'll be a merger between Bernie Sanders' domestic policy with regard to taxing the rich for the benefit of the Rust Belt workers, and it'll be a combination of that with Pat Buchanan-esque isolationism on foreign policy in some areas. Right, this, this, this kind of hard-nosed realism. Okay, that, that, was, that was Bannon's take, and Bannon thought that he could do it. Bannon thought that he was going to take Trumpism away from Trump. And once you start thinking that you are going to take the movement away from the man, you are done, because there is no Trumpist movement outside of Trump. There isn't. Okay, people voted for Trump because they liked the attitude. They didn't vote for Trump because he had a list of policy proposals. If people had voted for a list of policy proposals, Mitt Romney would be president right now. Okay, people don't vote for lists of policy proposals. They vote for people. People voted for Trump. They voted for Trump not because of his policy. I know Ann Coulter has this shtick today where she's saying people voted for him because they wanted the immigration reform. It's true that if he had run on a different platform on immigration, he might have gotten a different voter base. But to suggest that if Donald Trump moved to the left on immigration, his entire base would desert him, that they are all ideologically driven, is just not the case. It's just not the case. People voted for Trump for two reasons. He wasn't Hillary Clinton, and he had this, this kind of this feel of aggression. Right? And people wanted the feel of aggression. It was much more about Trump than it was about any sort of cohesive political philosophy. So Steve tried to build a false cohesive political philosophy around Trump. But even Steve didn't believe that. See, this is the thing. Steve didn't even believe that. What Steve believed is that he was powerful enough to dupe people into believing that he had a political philosophy and then he was building a movement around that. Steve is dishonest. Okay, Steve is not interested in a political philosophy of any kind. I talked with him on the phone for two hours a day for two years. I know Steve pretty well. Okay, I know Steve better than believe that Steve has a set notion of his own political philosophy. And every time the media would ask me about this for, for years, I would say he doesn't have one. Or he's doing this for convenience. He thought, how do I distinguish myself in the marketplace? Well, if I'm a typical conservative, then I'm no different than Mitch McConnell or than Paul Ryan or than a bevy of other conservatives who, who, who push conservatism. So what can I do? Well, Trump is different and his policy proposals are different and all over the place. What if I craft a new philosophy and I make myself the avatar of that new philosophy? And then Trump is superfluous to that philosophy because people voted for the philosophy. They didn't vote for Trump. And I'm a better face for that philosophy than Trump is. I'm smarter than Trump. Probably true. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more ballsy than Trump. Probably not true. Uh, I'm more charismatic than Trump. Obviously not true. He looks like a homeless refugee from the Vietnam War, right? The, 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 the idea that Steve Bannon was ever going to capture the Trumpist movement and move it away from Trump is just asinine. It was never going to happen. But Steve began to buy his own press. And that's why Steve... After he was ousted from the administration, he became become completely marginal. He had no impact on the administration. None. 
Okay? Because he had no impact on the administration, he had to come up with a new plan after he left Breitbart. I mean, after he left the Trump administration. So he went back to Breitbart, which was the only place that would have him. He wasn't going to get hired anyplace else. Right? He'd been marginalized already. He goes back to Breitbart and he comes up with a new plan. And in just one second, I'm going to explain to you Steve Bannon's new plan and how it dramatically backfired and destroyed him. I'm going to explain that in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Policy Genius. So, Policy Genius is for people who are interested in buying life insurance. You don't spend a lot of time thinking about what happens if you die, right? Because it's dark and it's gloomy. But perhaps you should because it can happen at any moment, like now or now or now, right? You could be dead listening to the rest of this ad. But here is the problem. If you haven't actually made those plans, I'm joking, obviously. I assume you're still alive listening. Otherwise, that's sad. But if you're still alive listening, go get a life insurance policy because honestly, your family needs to be taken care of if something bad should happen to you. People don't think about this until it's too late and then it really is too late because we don't have the capacity to bring you back to life and buy life insurance. So please, go to policygenius.com. It's the easy way to compare and buy life insurance online. They let you compare quotes in just five minutes. It's almost unheard of to make a responsible purchase in five minutes, but Policy Genius can make you they can do this for you. And they don't just insure life, by the way. They insure everything. You can do health insurance, disability insurance, pet insurance, renter's insurance. They've helped over 4 million people shop for insurance, and they've placed over $20 billion in coverage. It, it basically allows you to shop around and compare and make all the best deals and get exactly the program that is tailored to you. So if you made a New Year's resolution to be better with money, go to policygenius.com. Easy way to compare, buy life insurance. Again, no, no sales pressure, no, no hassle, and it is free which means it's fiscally responsible. Policygenius.com. Get your New Year's resolution resolved in just five minutes. You can, this is one you can just knock off your list right now. Policygenius.com. And that way, if you buy it right now, you could literally just pull over on the road while you're listening. Buy your life insurance through Policygenius.com. And then your family won't have to care if you die in a car crash five minutes from now. I mean, they'll still care, I assume. I hope they love you. But at least monetarily, they'll be taken care of. So Policygenius.com. That's the place. So if, like Steve Bannon, you were, you were basically disemboweled yesterday, you'd, you'd wish you would have used Policygenius.com. In any case... Steve Bannon, uh, he, he has to come up with a new philosophy of what he's going to do. So what Steve has done is he's always used people to get where he wants to go, right? He used Breitbart. He used Palin. He used Hannity. He, he used Fox News. He used Roger Ailes. He uses all these people, and then he turns on them when they become inconvenient, and he throws them under the bus because that's who Steve is. He did it with the alt-right as well, right? He said that he made himself a platform for the alt-right. And then when Milo Yiannopoulos ran into trouble, then suddenly Milo was dead to him, right? He, re he rode Roy Moore until Roy Moore dropped like a, like a horse. And then suddenly he said, Roy Moore is dead to me, right? Paul Nealon. We'll, we'll back Paul Nealon against Paul Ryan. And then when Nealon goes toxic, then he's dead to me, right? This is, this is Steve Bannon's routine. Okay, so now Steve Bannon is out at the White House. And he still has to, but he has to prop up his position of looking like he's powerful. So what can he do to look powerful? Well, he has to find, again, this distinguishing point. So he is now, he's made himself the face of this so-called Trumpist philosophy. But where can he find somebody who reflects that Trumpist philosophy? Well, he has a couple of options. One, he could go the Karl Rove method. He could start a super PAC. He could raise a lot of money. He could stay behind the scenes. He could try to manipulate. But that's not Steve. Steve wants to be out front, right? Steve is the only media mogul in human history who had his own radio show, right? I was a personality before I ran Daily Wire. Okay, Steve Bannon was nothing until he was associated with Breitbart, but he was the guy who was doing Breitbart News Radio. Right? It just demonstrates what Steve's sort of idea of himself is, which is he wants to be a public figure. He wants his face to be on things. He likes the President Bannon shtick. So he wants to be a public figure. So he can't do Karl Rove and just fund things from behind the scenes and build a movement, which is what you would actually do if you wanted to build a movement. Instead, he has to do something different. And what he has to do is he has to find candidates who will allow him to go on stage and be the biggest guy there. Right? He has to go find a place where he is different than Mitch McConnell and the quote-unquote establishment, and he has to try and channel Tea Party anger against the establishment into support for the Bannon philosophy movement, right? to the Bannon movement. So he's going to try and turn the Tea Party to the Bannon party. That's going to be his plan. And the, the person he chooses to do this because Bannon is not a particularly bright political operator is Roy Moore. He says, I'm going to make Roy Moore in Alabama my man. So first, he tries to support Mo Brooks in Alabama, which is the correct move. Then, when Mo Brooks loses, he says, I'm going to support Roy Moore over Luther Strange in the runoff, despite all of Roy Moore's toxicity. I'm going to support, and, and in part because of Roy Moore's toxicity, because Roy Moore's the kind of guy who will say anything. He's much more of a Trumpy figure than, than Luther Strange. He'll say anything that he wants to say. He'll stand up to anyone. He's a tough, rough son of a, right? That, that's the shtick. And so he's going to support Roy Moore, especially because Mitch McConnell's supporting Luther Strange. And then Trump comes down on, on Luther Strange's side, and Bannon says, well, it doesn't matter. I'm more of a representative, in some ways convenient, I'm more of a representative of Trumpism slash Bannonism than Trump is. Trump is a figure, but I'm a philosopher. 
If Trump really were a philosopher, he'd support Roy Moore. But there's only one problem. Roy Moore is a horrible candidate. Such a horrible candidate that Roy Moore goes on to lose, goes on to lose for the first time in 30 years a Republican seat in Alabama because of allegations of child molestation. And Steve is so deep down this hole now, he can't pull out. Steve is so deep down this hole that he takes Breitbart, a publication he had always used as his personal baton to wield against his enemies. He takes Breitbart and he uses it as a baton to wield against the alleged victims of molestation for Roy Moore. He has Alex Marlowe, a guy I know well and a guy with whom I was once close friends. He takes Alex and, he, and Alex goes out and says openly that he believes the accusers against Roy Moore, but then they deploy reporters down to Alabama to try to discredit the accusers against Roy Moore and get Roy Moore elected senator, supposedly in an attempt to defend Trump or something, which makes no sense since Trump was not even supporting Roy Moore in that primary. Okay, so, and then Bannon, to make matters worse, convinces Trump to jump in last minute to support Roy Moore, humiliating the president, humiliating Bannon, and humiliating the Republican Party as Roy Moore goes down in absolute flames, as morally he should have, considering the allegations against him. So all of that said, now Bannon is in a real pickle. He's in a real pickle because he's picked a bunch of candidates and they all lost. And Mitch McConnell is suddenly working hand in glove with President Trump. Suddenly, Bannon has not only been edged out, he's been edged out by the establishment. There's suddenly Republican unity around a Republican program. And his philosophy of, I'll burn it all down and build a giant statue of Bannon in the aftermath, that's completely fallen apart. Right? There's nothing he can do because Mitch McConnell did not back Roy Moore in Alabama. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Conservatives Fund, did not back Roy Moore in Alabama. The, the National Republican Senatorial Committee did not involve itself in that race. So Mitch McConnell was not the guy who convinced Trump to go all in for an incredibly alleged child molester. And then, and then Mitch McConnell passes tax reform. Right? They should get a major, the, the only big win, the only big legislative win of Trump's administration comes after Steve Bannon leaves and comes in direct contravention to Steve Bannon's own tax reform plan, which would have involved raising taxes on wealthy people, which this bill did not do. So Bannon's on the ropes. So now what can Bannon do? And it gets worse. A few weeks ago, I hear a rumor that Steve Bannon has been cut off by the Mercers. The Mercers were his money fund, and basically after Roy Moore, the Mercers said, enough of this, this con man, we're done. And they decide they're not going to fund any more Steve Bannon projects. That was at least the going rumor uh, in, in sort of political circles. So Steve's desperate. So what does Steve do? Well, Steve only has one ally left. It's not Trump, because Trump isn't really taking his phone calls. Right? The last time Trump talked to Bannon was like early December, apparently. Uh, it's, no longer, it's no longer his allies at Fox News who won't have him on after the Roy Moore thing. Right? He's the, Bannon's basically been absent since then. It's not the Mercers, because the Mercers aren't providing him cash anymore. So he has only one ally left. The only ally he has left are the people who built him up in the first place, and that is the members of the mainstream media. That's all he has left, is the members of the mainstream media who have, an, who have a concern and an interest in making Bannon continue to appear a powerful figure so they can foster conflict inside the Republican Party. Because the longer Bannon is out there lurking, sniping at Trump, sniping at McConnell, creating chaos, the better it is for the media, the better story it is, the better narrative, and the worse it is for conservatives and Republicans. So Bannon has to go back to the media, right? He goes finally back to his only ally, the people he's been lying about, uh, about ripping, right? The, the reality is that when, the, when, when Bannon left the White House, only one thing was lost. Right? Only, only one thing declined when Bannon left the White House, and that was the phone bill to Maggie Haberman at the New York Times, right? and, and the phone bill to Politico, and the phone bill to all the other outlets that Steve Bannon was allegedly leaking to. Right? Steve Bannon loves talking to the press, which is why he was quoted recently, and this is what I'm going to talk about now. He, he did an entire series of interviews with Michael Wolff, who has now written a book called Fire and Fury, right? The Fire and the Fury. And this book is coming out. It's number one at Amazon. It's doing all sorts of business because it's basically a bunch of gossip from the White House. The guy who brought Michael Wolf in was Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was sitting there for hours a day, apparently, talking with Michael Wolf on tape about his perception of the universe. Right? How Steve Bannon was the most powerful figure who would be the next president of the United States. So he goes back to his friends in the media and his friends in the media. He's going to leak to them and make it appear that he's still a power player, even though he is not a power player, even though he never was a power player, even though the only perception of him as a power player had been created out of whole cloth by Steve Bannon and the mainstream media. Right? And the luck of Andrew Breitbart dying and leaving him in charge of Breitbart. By the way, he wasn't left in charge of Breitbart. Larry Solov was Andrew Breitbart's partner in crime. And Larry Solov should have taken the reins at Breitbart as well he should do now by firing Steve Bannon. He should never have hired Steve Bannon. I urged him at the time not to hire Steve Bannon. But in any case, he did. Now he should move away from that as fast as possible. So he goes back to his members of the mainstream media and he leaks to them just as he was fired from the administration for leaking to the American prospect about how Trump didn't know what he was doing on North Korea. And 
what he dropped to Michael Wolff was a bunch of crap about all of his enemies in the administration. Right? That's, that's all this was. It was just him riffing about the administration. And a bunch of people in the media picked up on this Wolf book, and they say, well, he must have inside knowledge of corrupt activities inside the Trump administration. This is what they jump on. They're looking for an excuse to club Trump into submission over Trump-Russia collusion or over criminal activity because, let's face it, the members of the media are still waiting for the DOS machina. They're still waiting for the God in the machine to come in or outside the machine to come in and fix everything. They're still waiting for Mueller to come in from the skies like a, like a, like a vengeful Valkyrie and behead President Trump and make Hillary president. So now Bannon is out there telling the press that Donald Trump Jr. acted treasonously, he was unpatriotic, and it was bad bleep, right? And that they should have called the FBI. Now, and, and the media say, well, that means that he must have known something bad was going on at that meeting. Steve Bannon didn't join the campaign until August. Okay, that meeting took place in June. June, July, August. Last I checked, June is before August. Steve Bannon had no internal knowledge of what happened at that meeting. I think the meeting was bad myself, by the way. But the idea that Steve Bannon has the goods is just asinine. And then he says that Breitbart is not even a legit publication, which, of course, we already knew. Uh, I've, I said that in March 2016. Right? It was roundly excoriated by a lot of people who were on Trump's side. How dare you say Breitbart isn't a legit publication? Because it, it, because it wasn't since Bannon took it over. Right? Since Bannon really began running the shop, it, it had turned into Bannon's personal tool. And then he said that, uh, then he goes after uh, Kushner. He went after Jared Kushner, and he said that his involvement with Russia was greasy, and it was all about, and it was all about the, the Deutsche Bank corruption, and they're sitting on a beach trying to stop a Category 5. We went through some of this yesterday. And then Steve Bannon apparently says in the book also that Ivanka is dumb as a brick. So he's just a brilliant guy. He decides to go back to the media and leak on everybody and talk about how terrible everybody is and all the rest. Right? The, the, the entirety of all of this amounts to he goes to war with the guy who made him prominent in the first place. And finally, Trump has had enough. Okay, this brings us to Donald Trump losing it with, with Bannon and doing the finest thing any human being has ever done on this planet. Now, do, and going off on Bannon and, uh, in, in truly epic fashion. And in second, I'm going to tell you what Donald Trump had to say and why Donald Trump is right about all of it. Okay, so, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Quip. Quip is the new electric toothbrush. It packs just the right amount of vibrations into an ultra-slim design with guiding pulses to simplify better brushing at a fraction of the cost of bulkier designs. I use Quip every morning and every evening. And not only that, they will send you the brush heads when you sign up for their program. They send you the brush heads in the mail so you don't have to worry about running to the store or you forgot about changing your brush head and now you're getting canker sores because you didn't replace it and you're four months overdue. Right? That's what Quip makes easy. It's great for travel. So when I had a different electric toothbrush, I wouldn't travel with it because it's heavy and bulky and you have to bring the charger and the whole deal. Quip is basically the size of a normal toothbrush, and yet it's electric. It's just fantastic. It starts at 25 bucks, and right now, when you, get, when you go to getquip.com slash Shapiro, you get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. First refill pack free, getquip.com slash Shapiro. That's getquip.com slash Shapiro. 75% of us do not refresh our bristles every three months, let alone visit the dentist every six. Quip makes it easy. Go to getquip.com slash Shapiro, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Shapiro. Go ahead and check that out. All right, so... Finally, President Trump loses it on, on Steve Bannon, right? He just, he absolutely loses it on Bannon and releases one of the great epic burns in the history of American presidential politics. It really is unprecedented for the president to take a member of his own cabinet, basically, and just dump, I mean, th this, this dump, it's an epic dump. I mean, it basically is the scene from Back to the Future where Marty McFly somehow maneuvers Biff into driving his brand new car into the back of the manure truck. And that's essentially what happened here. Here's the statement from President Trump. Here it is. You ready? Steve Bannon has nothing to do with me or my presidency. When he was fired, he not only lost his job, he lost his mind. Steve was a staffer who worked for me after I'd already won the nomination by defeating 17 candidates, often described as the most talented field ever assembled in the Republican Party. Now that he is on his own, Steve is learning that winning isn't as easy as I make it look. Steve had very little to do with our historic victory, which was delivered by the forgotten men and women of this country. Yet Steve, ha Steve had everything to do with the loss of a Senate seat in Alabama held for more than 30 years by Republicans. Steve doesn't represent my base. He's only in it for himself. Steve pretends to be at war with the media, which he calls the opposition party, yet he spends his time at the White House leaking false information to the media to make himself seem far more important than he was. It's the only thing he does well. Steve was rarely in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and only pretends to have had influence to fool a few people with no access and no clue whom he helped write phony books. 
have many great Republican members of Congress and candidates who are very supportive of the Make America Great Again agenda. Like me, they love the United States of America and are helping to finally take our country back and build it up rather than simply seeking to burn it all down. Slow clap that builds into an impressive round of applause for the President of the United States. This, every word of this is true. Steve Bannon is not responsible for Trump's victory. He is not responsible for Trump's agenda. He is not responsible for Trump's philosophy. He is not responsible for Trump's accomplishments in the last two months. Trump has gotten more done in the last two months without Steve Bannon there than he did in the entirety of Steve Bannon's tenure in the White House. Now, other members of the Trump team have also sounded off about, about Bannon. It's Larry, my former colleague at Breitbart and my friend Larry O'Connor, and he had a good piece at the Washington Times saying, this is the first time the conservative movement has been united since the election cycle, was around Steve Bannon getting his ass kicked by Trump. That's basically correct. No one likes Bannon. The reason no one likes Bannon is because Bannon is a bad man. He's a bad man who uses people and abuses people. He's a person who doesn't have any thoroughgoing philosophy. He does not care about policy. He does not believe in a conservative approach to governance. He is not somebody who believes in anything but Steve Bannon. And watching Bannon burn down and watching Trump recognize the flaw in Bannon and, and cleanse his administration of a nefarious force that was willing to make common cause of the enemy. It was Bannon who was telling Trump, apparently, to blame both sides in Charlottesville. It was Bannon who originally formulated the travel ban that ended up being struck down by the courts because he was too stupid to actually go to the lawyers and ask them how to do it. Right? Trump's administration just got a lot better by separating off from Steve Bannon. Even Breitbart knows it. Breitbart is running the story straight today. Right, the, the commenters at Breitbart are very anti-Bannon, as well they should be, because Bannon was undermining, Trump, undermining Trump's agenda. When I was anti-Trump, I was anti-Trump because I didn't feel that Trump was for the conservative agenda. When Trump has been for the conservative agenda, I have cheered him. When Bannon cheered for Trump, it wasn't about the conservative agenda. It was about what does Trump do for Bannon. That's it. I think the readers over at Breitbart are aware now of that. I think the readers over at Breitbart are issue-oriented, many of them. I think that they like Trump because they think that they're going to get out of Trump what they want to get out of Trump. I think a lot, I used to work there. I believe that a lot of the people who follow Breitbart aren't doing so because they want to follow Steve Bannon down the rabbit hole of his personal ambition. And I think that people are beginning to wake up to this. So there is widespread celebration. It's basically you know, the recut of, of Return of the Jedi, which I just watched recently, the recut, which is not as good as the original. But in the recut, after the second Death Star is blown up, spoiler alert, there are a bunch of shots of random people around the galaxy celebrating. Right? They, they, they just inserted this for the re-release, and it's like people on Naboo celebrating. Okay, That's basically how it was around conservative media yesterday when Steve Bannon was torched by the president, when he was set on fire. Uh, it, 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 the, the metaphor actually works because Bannon called himself Darth Vader. In any case, Donald Jr. went off on, on, on Bannon, and uh, he's exactly right. He says, Steve had the honor of working in the White House and serving the country. Unfortunately, he squandered that privilege and turned that opportunity into a nightmare of backstabbing, harassing, leaking, and lying, and undermining the president. Steve is not a strategist. He is an opportunist. Amen. Hey, Mitch McConnell, who is the guy who got Trump not only Justice Gorsuch, but also the tax cut. I, I, I love the, the troll. The troll is strong in this one. I had tweeted out myself that, that Mitch McConnell, that this would be Mitch McConnell's reaction. So apparently, Team Mitch basically picked up on it. Here is what Mitch McConnell tweeted out in the aftermath of Trump's statement about Bannon. <laughs> oh, for people who can't see, it is a shot of Mitch McConnell just slowly smiling. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty glorious. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, like, you have to understand, no one likes Steve Bannon because Steve Bannon is a toxic personality. Like, I, I know many people who work in the White House. There was not a note of disapproval about anything that happened yesterday. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, here's what she had to say about President Trump's statement. I mean, all I can say about the statement, honestly, it's so brutal that Rose, it was for the first time, Rosie O'Donnell realized that Trump was going easy on her after reading that statement about Steve Bannon. I mean, Trump basically went full Zoolander gas fight on Bannon. He basically took a, a, a tank of gas and threw it all over Bannon and then lit a match and just real men walk away from explosions. 
Here's Sarah Huckabee Sanders explaining there ain't that much to talk about here. I mean, the statement pretty much speaks for itself. Does he feel betrayed by Steve Bannon? Uh, does he regret hiring him? I think the president's statement is extremely clear what his position on Mr. Bannon is. Uh, it was pretty lengthy and pretty detailed, and there's not really much to clarify or to add. But is there regret there? I mean, he says a lot in this book, and, and they did have a, a long and close working relationship. So is there a sense of betrayal? Uh, once again, I think the president's statement uh, fully addresses what his position and what his relationship with Mr. Bannon is. Okay, so this is exactly right, and all of this is well-deserved. This was coming to a man who thought that he was bigger than the president, not only bigger than the president, bigger than the conservative movement, bigger than the Tea Party, bigger than Andrew Breitbart, bigger than Sarah Palin, a man with outsized ambition buried by his own ambition. If you want to see whether this is good for Trump, all you have to do is see how Democrats are reacting to it. So suddenly Bannon is their hero. Right, so Bannon had been ripping Trump up and down and suggesting that there was deep spread, widespread corruption inside the Trump campaign. And you can see the Democrats are seizing on that as though Bannon has anything new to say. Bannon was not in the know. Bannon was not there until late in the campaign. Okay, Mueller is the one who's going to know whether something went on. I don't know whether something went on. You don't know whether something went on. The media don't know whether something went on. And guess what? Steve Bannon doesn't know if something went on either. Okay, Steve Bannon is not aware if something went on either. So you can see the Democrats seizing on this and trying to and trying to pretend that this is good evidence that, that Trump is going to go away very soon. Julian Castro, Democratic representative, uh, he says that, that Bannon definitely has evidence of money laundering. That's, that's really the key here. I can't talk about what I heard in the interview, but I can tell you that my impression after sitting through uh, those hours of that interview is that the president should be concerned about issues of uh, money laundering, of collusion, and of obstruction of justice. Uh, I say that that's my impression, not only from hearing that witness, but also uh, many of the other witnesses that have come before the committee. Do you, so this do, White House mm -hmm. should be nervous about what what has been told to the committee. And, and do you believe, while well, you, as you said, you can't necessarily you know tell us exactly what you heard in uh, those hearings. Right. Do you believe that you heard evidence of crimes committed by yes. members of this administration? Yes. Okay, so again, they're jumping on the Bannon stuff in order to try and discredit Trump, which shows you why Bannon had to be ousted and why he had to be burned by Trump here. It was all Bannon's own doing. Well, we're going to have to take a break here in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Tripping.com. So over at Tripping.com, you can spend less time planning your next trip, more time relaxing with Tripping.com. It is the world's number one site for vacation rentals, trusted by millions of travelers, featured by the New York Times, Travel and Leisure, Forbes, and more. With Tripping.com, this is what's great about this. One search lets you filter, compare, and sort over 10 million available properties on sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. And what's great about Tripping.com is that you are really working for a vac it's vacation rental. So it's not as much about finding a hotel as it is about finding a place that you can rent that actually has, for example, a kitchen, right? You're looking for a cabin or a beachfront home. This is actually really important to me personally. So I use Tripping.com because when I vacation, I actually can't stay in a hotel for a long period of time because I have to cook kosher food. I need a stove. I need a stove and I have kids. I need a washing machine too. So the only places that have that are usually condos for rent uh, or a cabin for rent. With Tripping.com, you can make all of this happen. Right? You can make sure that you're getting the best deal on a New Year's Eve cabin or a winter beach vacation. You save an average, an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with Tripping.com. So don't forget, you want to save time and money and you want to get the best available property. By the way, it's much more fun to stay in a condo than it is to stay in a hotel room, in my personal opinion, as a guy who stays in a lot of hotel rooms. It's a lot more fun to stay in, in a place where you have some space to spread out Try it. You won't want to go back once you've actually worked with Tripping.com. Go to Tripping.com slash Shapiro today. Go to Tripping.com slash Shapiro. That's Tripping.com slash Shapiro. Use the slash Shapiro so they know that we sent you, and it will allow you to save, again, an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with our friends over at Tripping.com. So in just a second, I'm going to explain the conservative fallout, because what you'll see is there's a split a little bit in the conservative movement over all of this. Um, but first, we're going to have to say goodbye to you on Facebook and YouTube. So. If you're watching right now, Facebook Live or YouTube, then what you should do is you should go over and subscribe. For $9.99 a month, you can get the rest of this show live. Where else are you going to get great, fantastic inside information, inside baseball content like this? The answer is nowhere. We make your life better. Pay us. Okay, that's basically the pitch. So $9.99 a month, and you get a subscription to dailywire.com. That means you get the rest of this show live, Andrew Clavin's show live, Michael Moles' show live. You get my mailbag, which we are going to be doing what day is it? It's Thursday, right? So we're going to be doing that on Friday. We're doing that tomorrow. So you actually get to ask your questions live to me, and I will answer them and make your life that much better, which is to say immeasurably. So $9.99 a month makes you, gives you all that. Plus, if you get the annual subscription, you get all of those things. Plus, you also get this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels, the leftist tiers, hot or cold beverage vessel. This thing's magnificent. 
I mean, look at this. Watch. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm worn down. Not anymore, gang. I just sipped from the leftist tears hot or cold beverage vessel. You get that for the annual subscription, uh, the, the replenishing and life-affirming beverage vessel, the leftist tears hot or cold tumbler. So you go check that out. You get that with the annual subscription. If you just want to listen later, YouTube, please subscribe. We have lots of new videos coming out all the time. Uh, you can go to SoundCloud, iTunes, any of, the, any of the places that play podcasts and check it out. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. So the goal of the media is to keep Bannon around. So understand that, that capping Bannon, putting a, a leave, taking, taking the gun and leaving the cannoli is the best strategy for, for Trump and for the conservative movement at this point. The leftists want to keep Bannon around because they want to keep fostering this internecine warfare. If you read the excerpts from Michael Wolff's book, Fire and Fury, it's a lot of inside gossip. Right? It's a lot of stuff about how Trump's a crazy guy who likes to stay up late and watch TV and he tweets a lot. Okay, if you follow his Twitter, none of this is foreign information to you. Like, he tweets at all hours. We already know he likes KFC. We know that he is petty and vengeful in many cases. Like, none of this is, is breaking news, right? Welcome to the real world, folks. A lot of it is just gossipy stuff that makes people turned on, right? Melania didn't actually want to be first lady. Maybe that's true. Who cares? And a lot of it is Steve Bannon basically just mentally masturbating about his own power, right? I, I, I tweeted yesterday that this book should have been called As Told by Steve Bannon because it just reads like that. It reads like Bannon's fever dream about what his role in the movement is and who Trump is and calling all of his enemies bad people and idiots and morons. And yet, magically, the administration seems to be working incredibly better since Bannon left than while he was there. Weird how that works, isn't it? Isn't it weird how dysfunction seems to follow that guy? In any case, people are making a big deal out of the, the revelations in this book. The revelations are of no value to me. The reason they're of no value to me is because they already, they, I already knew this. Like, if you think that Trump was not a dysfunctional character, I don't know what show you've been listening to for the last couple of years. I've, I've always thought that Trump had serious character issues. Now, the question is, how do those manifest themselves in policy? In the last couple of months, they've manifested themselves in some bad tweeting, in some silly statements, in undercutting his own popularity. All that's bad. I've discussed all of that. But in terms of policy, hadn't done much. Okay, so Trump changes his own sheets because he's afraid that somebody's going to poison him or something. Right, this is what the book says, or that he eats KFC because he's afraid that the White House chef is going to kill him. Hey, let's say all of that's true for the sake of argument. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe he's like that. Yeah, JFK was allegedly doing LSD and knocking on the interns, right? I mean, the, the, the idea that any of this necessarily translates to governance is not true. Now, is it great? Would I prefer we had a character of moral uprightness and rectitude in the White House? Of course. Have I not been clear about this? Did I stutter? But... Let's be also clear about something. All of the revelations people are finding so juicy in this book are really not revelations at all. We already knew this. It's just con confirming detail. But the, the media is going nuts over it because they want to paint the picture of Trump as crazy person and the country can't handle a crazy person, when in reality, the stock market just crossed 25,000 and the economy is doing really well. And on foreign policy, we are making moves that are excellent for our, for our national prestige and power. All of that's good. So that, that bifurcation may be weird to people, but unfortunately, that's the way that reality works sometimes. Joy Behar, though, is trying to jump on all the banners of how Trump needs to be hospitalized. He's just crazy. <sighs> is this kind of a crazy game we're playing? Hmm. You know, he, Trump needs to be medicated and hospitalized <laughs> at this point, or he is going to just kill all of us. And, you know, my feeling is that probably they're getting closer to him in the Mueller investigation, and that's what this is about, a lot of it. It's like he'll blow the whole world up so he that his stupid sons don't have to go to jail. Yeah, that's clearly what's happening right here, right? Is that he, he wants to blow up the whole world so his sons don't go to jail. Yeah, that's like this is the, the picture the left wants to paint and Bannon helped them paint it. That's on Bannon. Now, there have been a number of conservatives who have been sort of hedging their bets in the Bannon versus Trump flame war. So Bannon himself went silent yesterday. He hosted Breitbart News Radio and he had nothing to say. He said, Trump is a great man, and I support him in every way. Except for, you know, routinely leaking on him and ripping his children and tearing apart members of his administration and crapping all over his agenda and leaking to the American prospect that his North Korean policy is stupid and suggesting that he's a child and a moron. Except for all of that, I'm really on his side. I've been fantastic, right? That, that, that was Bannon's take. There are a couple of takes on that. One is that Bannon knows he's in trouble, and the only thing he can do here is basically grab Trump's leg and refuse to let go, right? Like my toddler when I'm leaving the house. I just grab that leg. And if I don't let go, then maybe daddy won't leave. Daddy left, Steve. You're, you're done, right? Okay, so there, there's that. There's also the possibility that Steve shut up because Trump actually had his lawyers draft up and send a letter threatening with Steve with violation, violations of his non-disclosure agreement. So Steve had uh, apparently a pretty uh, strong non-disclosure agreement with the Trump campaign. 
Now, the non-disclosure with President Trump ain't going to hold because for public policy reasons, when you leak about the president, unless it's classified material, no judge is going to uphold that. There are First Amendment concerns that come into play when you're, when you're giving out information about a public official like the president. But when it comes to, the, when it comes to uh, private information on the campaign trail, then Steve very well could have violated the NDA. And there is a significant possibility that Trump could actually have a pretty strong case for violating the NDA in all of these leaks. So that's a problem for Steve. So maybe that's why Steve shut up. Maybe. I mean, we don't know. It's, that's a possibility. Uh, it is also, you know, it's also possible, as I say, I think that the more likely scenario is that Steve is, is just, the, the firestorm yesterday was so intense. It was like the scene at the end of The Last Jedi with the AT-ATs and Luke. Like, it was, it, was, it was that yesterday, except Steve was not a hologram, and Steve is not a Jedi. So that really did not go well for him yesterday. And he ended up looking like Uncle, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru in Star Wars Episode Four by the end of yesterday. So, a lot of Star Wars references today. In any case... Uh, he, he, um, so he, he doesn't say anything about it. A lot of his allies, in the, he only has a couple of allies in the media, Steve. These are people he's cultivated for years. So he cultivated Sean Hannity, he cultivated Laura Ingram, he cultivated Ann Coulter. Uh, he has a habit of cultivating people. And then they were still useful to him, so he hadn't thrown them over yet. Sean is torn because Sean had basically painted Bannon as the ideological sort of avatar of, of the conservative wing of the White House. I don't know how Sean... Honest to God, I don't know how Sean holds that view, given the fact that the White House has gotten more conservative, not less, since Bannon left. I, I've never understood how Sean has been able to rectify his view of Bannon-esque policy with conservatism. Right? I grew up listening to Sean. I grew up watching Sean. I own his books. I'm friendly with Sean. I think Sean's a really good guy. But I've never understood how Sean was able to so easily move into nationalist populist nonsense when he spends his entire career advocating conservatism. So you'll see Sean try to play the middle road here. He doesn't, he, he feels bad about just dumping on Bannon, but he also knows that Trump is not gonna stand for him not dumping on Bannon. So here is his way, so he tries to blame it on the media. This is always the easy out, right? Oh, it's the media's fault, except for one problem. Bannon wasn't misquoted. So the easy out here would have been Bannon saying, well, I was misquoted by Michael Wolff, it was all false. Only one problem, Bannon brought Michael Wolff into the White House, sat with him and taped with him for hours for hours, and Wolf has the tapes. So here is Sean, desperately trying to avoid condemning Bannon, while also desperately attempting to avoid offending Trump. The media loves, loves Steve Bannon for the moment. They love when Republicans or conservatives are fighting and create a circular firing squad. In real life, they hate Bannon, and they hate Trump. And, but they'll, you know, right now, they'll be supportive of Steve Bannon if, he th if they think he's advancing their cause. They love these intramural fights. They love palace intrigue. They love to analyze who's up, who's down. It's another example. The media's priorities are so screwed up. When do they ever talk about you? Okay, so we'll blame it on the media. Okay, so as I've said, I agree with Sean that the media loves this internecine warfare, but the solution to the internecine warfare is to go after the guy who's the leaker. Right? We kept hearing that leakers were bad. There was all this deep state stuff. You know who was the head of the deep state leaking in favor of his own interests? The head of the Bannon deep state was Steve Bannon. <laughs> Steve Bannon was the Steve Bannon deep state. And Sean's trying to avoid that implication, but that is the reality. The media doesn't have this material unless Steve and his self-aggrandizing arrogance believes that he can leak all this material to the press and get away with it. Laura Ingram did the same thing last night, slamming Trump and Bannon, saying, well, why do you guys have to fight? Why do mommy and daddy have to fight? But fellas, it doesn't really make sense for a high-profile advisor and his former boss to publicly attack each other when the stakes are this high. How does that make any sense? Okay, well, Laura, let's start with something. Hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Steve Bannon attacked before Trump did. Okay, all of Trump's fans are always saying that he only hits back. In this case, he did only hit back. It was not Trump hitting Bannon. It was Steve Bannon hitting Trump, doing it publicly, hitting his kids, suggesting there was actual crime committed inside the Trump campaign, which would lead to the impeachment of the president. According to Michael Wolff's book, he was leaking to Michael Wolff that he thought there was a one-third chance of impeachment, a one-third chance of resignation, and a one-third chance Trump finishes his term, and he wanted to run for president to replace Trump. Okay, if you are a fan of Trump, if you want Trump to succeed, how in the world are you still holding out for Steve Bannon after that? How in the world are you holding out for Bannon? In what world have I become more pro-Trump than a lot of the Trumpites who are now trying to defend Steve Bannon? Okay, first of all, there aren't very many of them. And all of the ones who are think of themselves as personal friends of Bannon. But for Laura to draw moral equivalence between Trump and Bannon in this fight is just ridiculous. Okay, this is, this is on Bannon, pure and simple. Trump is right to smack him, and Trump did the right thing by, by taking him down at least a thousand pegs here and leaving him a smoldering husk of humanity. Um, listen. Am I happy that he did this on a personal level? Yes, I am, because I think Steve Bannon is a bad man. I'm not going to hide it. 
Okay, I think Steve is a bad man who did bad things, sided with bad people, made good people's lives miserable, used those bad people to target his opponents. I think Steve is a very bad influence on the presidents of the United States. I think the president is much better off that he's no longer associated with this piece of crap. But with all of that said, I would believe that whether or not I knew Steve Bannon. Steve has not been of net benefit to this presidency, and I dare anyone to name me a way, one way, in which Steve Bannon has been of net benefit to the presidents of the United States. Do you really believe that Trump wouldn't have won if Bannon hadn't joined the campaign? Do you really think that? Because you'll have to explain to me how that works, considering that Bannon never did anything with the campaign. Okay, in any case, uh, I want to get to some things I like and some things that I hate, but that's, that's a lot of Bannon for one day, and hopefully that will be one of the last times we have to mention Steve Bannon on air. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Alrighty, time for some things I like and some things I hate, and then we'll do a little bit of Bible talk in which I will mention Steve Bannon. So, things I like. Uh, let's begin there. So, Adam Driver has become... Uh, maybe I just didn't know about him. He's a really good actor. Like, Adam Driver's a very good actor. He's the only thing that makes Last Jedi worth watching, I think, is, is Adam Driver's performance as Kylo Ren. Kylo could have been a whiny, annoying character, and instead, he really makes him quite interesting. I think that, that Adam Driver... And, and if you watch Adam Driver in anything, the guy can do anything. There's a movie called Lo Logan Lucky, a Steven Soderbergh film, uh, with Channing Tatum, who also is a surprisingly good actor, uh, and Daniel Craig, who is also a surprisingly good actor, um, and basically, it's about a heist where they, they rob uh, the Coca-Cola 600. Is that what it is? The Coca-Cola 500? I can't remember the name of the, the actual uh, NASCAR race that they, that they robbed. In any case, um, it's Daniel Craig really playing against type, like really playing against type in a major way. But the one who steals the show is Driver. So Driver plays this, this Iraq war vet who's lost his arm and has an almost uncontainable temper that he hides behind this implacable exterior. He's terrific in it. Here's a little bit of the preview of, of Logan Lucky, which is definitely worth the rental. It's a fun movie. It's, it's just a, it's a fun popcorn movie uh, with some really good, uh, it really is not an action movie per se. It's, it's much more just a heist movie. And it's a, it's, it's a top 10 heist movie, I'd say. Maybe a top five heist movie. It's really that good. Jimmy, I'm just gonna say it. I gotta let you go. You were just fired. I was let go for liability reasons involving insurance. The one-armed bartender. <laughs> you need to show a little respect. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Okay, the preview itself is the, the movie itself is really good. Adam Driver is a revelation. I've seen him in three or four different films now, and he he inhabits characters in a way that really there are very few actors who, who inhabit a character like. I actually think Channing Tatum does in this movie, too. I think Channing Tatum's actually quite good as well. Um, but Adam Driver, I can't speak highly enough about his ability to perform. Really, it's, it's pretty incredible. His, he, as an actor, like Christian Bale, when you're watching a Christian Bale movie, you don't actually see Christian Bale. You just see the, the character that Christian Bale is playing, which is the opposite of movie stars like Jack Nicholson, where no matter what part he's playing, he's Jack Nicholson playing the part. Uh, I think even Meryl Streep has that problem. When you watch Adam Driver, you're like, wait, is that Adam Driver? Even though he's not wearing any makeup or prosthetics or anything? You go, oh yeah, that is Adam Driver. Like that's Kylo Ren, but he's a completely different character. Really, really good in this film. Uh, check it out. It's a fun movie to watch. Hilary Swank has kind of a fun bit part, um, and uh, Daniel Craig is also a lot of fun in the movie. Okay, some a couple of things that I hate. So, um, there is a uh, there's a, a phenomenon that is now taking place that I don't really know how to describe. It is a phenomenon where. People get so used to the government taking care of them, they get so used to a regime of regulation that they forget how to be normal human beings. This is a criticism that a lot of people on the right have had for a long time, is that every time the government passes a law and makes you dependent on that law, every time the government does something where they, where they essentially tell you um, what to do and what you can't do, when they tell you you can't do something, then they fill it in with government regulation, then you start to think you can't do it yourself. And this is what happened with welfare. People started being able to receive a check for being a single mother. And so people said, well, maybe I don't need to marry a guy, right? Incentives change. And government can enervate you. Government can turn you into a mewling droop of humanity. Government can turn you into a dependent of the state. The most obvious example is in the last couple of days. So in Oregon, there was a law. I used to work for a company that was based in Southern Oregon, so I recall this. There was a law in Oregon that you are not allowed to pump your own gas. Right, you, really, this was a law that you had to have an attendant pump your gas, like it's 1953 and you're pulling into the drive-in. 
They'd have somebody come over to your car and pump your gas. And the first time it happens, you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. And the second time it happens, you're like, this would be a lot quicker if I could just hop out of my car and pump my own gas. We, who have been growing up in regular America, where you pump your own gas since like the 1920s, we've been thinking, well, what's up with this law? So, but here's the funny part. So there's a House Bill 2482. It took effect on Monday. And retailers in counties with a population of less than 40,000 are now allowed to have self-service gas pumps. Drivers in those 15 counties can now pump their own gas any time of day, while in those other three rural counties, they can do so after business hours between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. It was a make-work program. And so it's in, the idea was there are a bunch of unhirables except for pumping gas, and so we will actually make a law preventing you from pumping your own gas. But the result was thousands of people who don't know how to pump their own gas and think they're going to light themselves on fire. So these are some of the Facebook posts from these people. Are you ready for this? Because it truly is pretty incredible. Quote, I don't even know how to pump gas, and I'm 62, native Oregonian. I say, no thanks. I don't like to smell like gasoline. Okay, I pump my own gas like once a week. I don't smell like gasoline after doing it. I don't know what you're talking about. And another woman writes, no, disabled, seniors, people with young children in the car need help. Not to mention getting out of your car with transients around and not feeling safe. This is a very bad idea. Grr. Okay, I promise you, there are a lot of disabled senior people with young children and old people and transients in California. Like, we're big on the transients. Uh, no one gets attacked while pumping their gas. Another person writes, I've lived in the state all my life and I refuse to pump my own gas. This is a service only qualified people should perform. Qualified people, like you have to have a state license to pump gas. I will literally park at the pump and wait until someone pumps my gas. Okay, screw you people who think this. And screw the government for having led people to believe they're incapable of pumping their own gas. You wonder why we have a population that seems so incapable of performing basic daily functions? Maybe it's because the government tells them they can't. When you have people your entire life telling you you can't do things, this is why I hate so much of the talk about white privilege. The implication being, if you're not white, you can't succeed. You can, work hard, succeed. Okay, basically, when people say that you are a victim or you're incompetent, there are very few professions where you should need a license. Okay, to pump gas is not one of those professions. It's so ridiculous. But again, it shows that human nature is that when you've been told for years and years and years you can't do something, you actually think you're not qualified to do something. It's, it, there are a lot of people in, in blue states who feel this way about guns. I've never seen a gun. I've never held a gun. Guns are so scary. I could never fire a gun. No, you, you can. I promise. Like, go to a gun range. Somebody will teach you. It ain't that hard. Okay, other things that I hate. And speaking of the, the ridiculous left, a food safety expert has now warned that there is a raw water trend. Okay, there's a raw water. There's a real thing. Okay, there's a New York Times trend piece on Silicon Valley's recent obsession with raw water. According to the Times, demand for unfiltered water is skyrocketing as tech industry insiders develop a taste for water that has not been treated to prevent the spread of bacteria or other contaminants. In San Francisco, unfiltered, untreated, unsterilized spring water is selling for as much as $61 for a 2.5-gallon jug. There are startups dedicated to untreated water. There are a bunch of people who say that raw water is perfect for people who are extreme about health. The, you, you know how stupid you have to be to believe this? Like, not treating water makes people sick. Why do you think people die of dysentery in third world countries? Why do you think they tell you to bring bottled water when you go to Mexico City? Like, the whole point here is that if you have untreated water, you could die. Virtually every contaminant is, is neutralized by treatment of water. Why do you think it's imperative that we actually give equipment to people in third world countries so they can boil water and turn it into drinkable? People in the, in the West are so stupid, we're so dumb, that we've be, we become so prosperous that we now think that going back to primitive ways of living that killed people are more healthy. Than, this is the same when people say organic. You know, organic will heal you. They say this about pot. You know, pot's organic. How can it hurt you? Poison, poison ivy is organic too. I wouldn't use it as skin cream. I'm not saying that pot is poison ivy, but I am saying this argument that organics are, are naturally healthier is just ridiculous. There's, or cancer is organic. What stupidity? Okay, final thing that I hate. Well, actually, sorry. Two more things that I hate because... Um, because I run the show. Okay, here's the first. Keith Ellison, Democrat from Minnesota. Uh, he was nearly the head of the Democratic National Committee. He tweeted this out yesterday. Keith Ellison was associated with Louis Farrakhan. Uh, Keith Ellison is a radical anti-Semite. Here's what he tweeted. At Moon Palace Books, and I just found the book that strikes fear in the heart of Donald Trump. And it's him holding up a book called Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook. Antifa is basically a domestic terror group. Okay, Antifa, there's tape of Steven Crowder's assistant, not gay Jared, being offered actual weaponry at one of my lectures by members of Antifa. Okay, Antifa break things. Antifa commit acts of violence. Antifa is a, the, the reason that they call themselves Antifa, they say they are anti-fascist, but then they say by any means necessary, meaning violent means. The, one of the leading Congress people in the Democratic caucus is now calling for support for a violent leftist group. 
And then you wonder why we think, why, why there's been a reactionary move to Trump. Uh, this is how you got Trump, gang. And final thing that I hate. So there, the uh, President Trump announced on, what was it, Monday? I mean, I've, I've completely lost track of all time. I think it was Tuesday, actually. I've, tr I've lost track of time because every news cycle is now one and a half seconds long. By the end of the show, I assume I will have missed two news cycles. The, on, on Tuesday, Trump tweeted out that he was going to have the fake dishonest media news awardees uh, on Monday, which I look forward to at 5 p.m. on Monday. I, as I say, I hope that he takes over all three broadcast networks to do it. Um, and members of the media don't understand what's happening. So they've been releasing ads trying to troll Trump. So here is the one from Stephen Colbert. And uh, it's a picture of Stephen Colbert looking like he's in Good Night and Good Luck uh, with, a, with a, um, a series of quotes from Sean Hannity and various, uh, various other people saying how terrible he is. And a quote from Trump himself. Uh, and, and it's a nomination poster, right? It's like a nomination poster for the Oscars. It says, in all categories, including outstanding achievement in parroting George Soros' talking points, best sound mixing, best checks mixing, least Breitbarty, the Eric Trump Memorial Award for disappointment, fakest dishonesty, corruptest fakeness, dishonestest corruption, smallest button. Okay, so it's a little funny. I'll, I'll admit that it's, that it's pretty funny. <laughs> but I will also suggest that one of the problems here is that Stephen Colbert actually does disseminate a bunch of left-wing talking points. And if you want to make the case that you're not a left-wing talking points organization, the way you do that is not by trolling Trump about his fake news stuff by saying, we are fake news, right? The only people, I understand, you know, Colbert doesn't portray himself as, a, as an objective news source. He portrays himself as a comedian. But when he covers news, he is not objective. He was not the only one doing this routine. Like, they revel in this, right? They, you wonder why Trump could run against Stephen Colbert and win. The reason he ran against Stephen Colbert and won is because Stephen Colbert is running against Trump. They're all running against Trump. But it's not just Colbert. It's also Samantha, Samantha B uh, and Trevor Noah. Here's, here's Samantha B. So Samantha B uh, tweeted out her own ad. It said, for your consideration, Samantha B for shrillest reporting, which, I mean, I would vote if she were up for that category. I would certainly vote for that. Um, and, uh, and it's a bunch of comments from YouTube commenters. She says, nice try, Colbert and Daily Show, but we're sweeping the dishonesties this year. P.S. Donald Trump, how about a female host next time? Ha, 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 because, you know, like sexism. <laughs> She's not even funny. Like, that, that one's not even funny. Okay, Colbert is at least funny, but, but Samantha B is just comedy death. I mean, she's Ebola of comedy. Uh, and then there's Trevor Noah, who's also in an open competition for, for this. Uh, by the way, I should mention, and before word gets out, that the Daily Show did invite me on with, uh, with Trevor Noah, uh, I said that I would, uh, what I'm saying is that I will do it, but only if they broadcast it live. I'm not going to do it so it's live to tape and get cut apart the way that Jonah Goldberg was on The Daily Show. This is always my, my insistence when I do a show like that. Uh, anyway, Daily, uh, Trevor Noah uh, put this up on uh, as well. Uh, most dishonest and corrupt media awards of the year consideration. And then it's a bunch of quotes, one from Breitbart News, one from Fox and Friends. Uh, I'm just disappointed he didn't put one from me. So here's one for Trevor Noah from me. Trevor Noah is in a running gun battle for least funny human being with Samantha B. Plus, he is a political hack on behalf of the left who has no clue about how American politics actually work. How's that? It might be a little long for the blurb, but there it is. In any case, uh, if these people want to push Trump to greater heights, please continue to do this. Okay, final word. We'll do a little bit of uh, Bible talk today, but this will be a very, very quick Bible talk. So here it is. This is from uh, Malachim Aleph. Okay, so in, in English, that would be First Kings 2, two to 6. Okay, and, uh, and basically what it says is, uh, it, it's the story of what David says to Solomon right as Solomon is, uh, is about to take over. So David's about to die, and he instructs Solomon to basically kill Yoav, the son of Zeruiah. Okay, uh, Zeruiah. Okay, so Joab, it's spelled J-O-A-B. Uh, he was one of his commanders, and he broke a ceasefire that, that David basically had with uh, his son Absalom, uh, Absalom. And Joab killed Abner, the son of Ner. And so David says, listen, I couldn't do anything while I'm alive because I made a promise I wouldn't touch him. But once I'm dead, you can go after this guy. The reason he said that is because Joab was acting on his own orders. He was basically off on his own, representing Davidism without David. And it didn't go well for him. You know, maybe, maybe Steve should have read First Kings because there were some lessons in there about how the king actually treats you when you when you disobey his wishes. His anger may sleep, but not for not for long. Alrighty, we will be back here tomorrow with all the latest news plus the mailbag. So if you're gonna subscribe, now's the day to do it. I'm Ben Shapiro, this is the Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> 
The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Mathis Glover. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2017. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.